Welcome, adventurers. Alarion has begun his search for the truth behind the Cries Deon and Dare, accompanied by travel companions who are filled with doubt. Joel Rigetti's Speaking Stone Studio presents... Tales from the Dungeon Orteval didn't hear Alarion coming in during the night, but more of a surprise was waking up to the wizard already dressing. Alarion spoke in a quiet tone. I will be at the general store if you need me today. And with that, he had left. Orteval sat up, placing his bare feet on the cool wood floor. He rubbed his face. A day to myself in a lumber mill town, he thought. Oh, gift of gifts. The gift hadn't turned out to be one more day, but three at the general store alone, and then another seven talking to anyone they could who was not the owner of the general store. This had been the point where Orteval had completely given over to whatever this was. While riding into town, he had found it hard to believe they would spend more than a day or two, not the ten they had spent. Alarion seemed re-energized, not that he was ever particularly low energy. As they had packed up their few possessions and rode south from the town, he had chattered on, in particular about his time spent with the scholar. It turned out Zelig, that being the name of the scholar, had been quite taken with Alarion's idea that information had been omitted or manipulated. The man agreed after close inspection of the five or six relevant tomes in his possession that there were suspicious inconsistencies. It was apparently highlighted in specific contrast with whatever information was contained in the book the young wizard had purchased in Borgen. Alarion repeatedly pointed out that Zelig had congratulated him on finding a worthy mystery. In fact, Orteval had been startled from rare silences as the wizard had smiled and laughed after just spontaneously saying the words worthy mystery to himself. Orteval's rolled eyes or exasperated sighs went unnoticed as the young man launched back into an animated and detailed explanation of one particular discrepancy or another. It could have been the same two or three over and over again for all he knew. By that time in their journey, Orteval had become quite proficient at pushing Alarion's ramblings back into the white noise of their surroundings. More than anything, Alarion's reinvigorated enthusiasm set Orteval to a disimpassioned resignment. On that monotonous ride returning to Cumbershaw, he had let go of the hope that the wizard would soon hit a point in his search where he would become frustrated or disbelieving. That lack of new information would portent the coming end to this fool's errand. Perkshire now at their back. It seemed unlikely. Maybe this was to be his life. Escort to a man with a singular train of thought. They had arrived at Cumbershall just before nightfall, taking up lodging in the Ducks' return, the same inn they had stayed at the first time through the city. Orteval had said he needed to take a walk to stretch his legs after a day's riding on the horse. 
Alarion waved him off, cracking open a book. The walk did stretch his legs, but it had a very specific purpose. He had made his way from tavern to tavern, but not just any tavern. He ordered no food or drink. His walk was in the hopes snare would be at one of the taverns that they frequented. After the first two, he had been tense. When he had left the last of six, his heart was heavy and his legs were tired. Returning late to the inn, he had slept poorly. Orteval had looked again for all of the next day, to no avail. And though Impulse had tried to drive him to convince Alarion to stay longer, his head told him if the gnome was here, he would have shown his face. Alarion had inquired if they should take on another travel companion there in Cumbershall, but Orteval had said Feld's Crossing would have a larger selection of experienced travelers. There was no particular truth to this. Orteval just wasn't ready to get used to riding with someone new, to explain the absurd nature of the task at hand. He had a sinking feeling he would not enjoy the type of person who was willing to undergo something so meaningless. They had left via horseback. To Orteval's surprise, the wizard had made no suggestion of carriage or wagon. It seemed that Alarion had finally made the connection between being ill and travel on wheels. That particular day's travel was accompanied by Alarion's thoughts on where they might go next. Halbuston next, and Camphor, and then Ippidigek. Surely the wizard had said, but Orteval had not heard. The words lost amongst the burbling sound of the frostfall upon its banks. The clop of hooves the gentle breeze of the late spring. Night was spent at a road camp. As they had taken to the road the next day, less than half a bell after they had set out, a small horse with a small rider came out of the woods at an easy pace. They rode in such a way as they would meet up with Alarion and himself on the road if neither party changed their pace. Neither did, as Orteval recognized both horse and rider. As Snare pulled alongside them, Alarion's face had shifted from confused to surprised, and he was about to begin talking when Orteval shook his head. Amazingly, for once, the wizard had taken the unspoken cue. They had rode on in silence for a few bars. There was an awkwardness to it. Finally, Orteval had dared a look over to the gnome. Snare had not returned the look but he dropped his reins briefly, just long enough to sign. Don't act so surprised. It's a sort of calling. Besides, there are few alive with the disposition to undertake such critical and significant work as this. Orteval threw his head back and laughed. Laughed with his whole body. Snare had bared his teeth, and there had been no search for additional help in Feld's Crossing. Dull, tedious, monotonous. The six months of summer and fall had passed in this way. They traveled all about the Gimlin Woods region. Halbuston, Camphor, as Alarion had said, but also Ferrybridge, Ubito, Forum Poor, and Vishbon. In a disconcerting effort to keep them on their toes and to keep plumbing the depths of the inane, Alarion had even urged them to find the gnomish city of Shumshum, 
They had bumbled around aimlessly for three days in the northern reaches of the woods before Alarion finally accepted Orteval's insistence and repeated pleas. No one found Shumshum who was not invited and escorted by a native of the city. Alarion's counter-argument had been that they had snare, clearly a gnome, with them, so the city should be reachable. Snare said that was not the case, and he was no more likely to find the city. Orteval got an odd feeling that this was not the entire truth, but was certain no more was forthcoming, and he let it be. The days had grown shorter, and it was a rare day when they had removed their cloaks at any point. With winter's start nearly upon them, Alarion was talking about traveling north of the burning road into the Shiverwood to see if the elves of Yewwood Holm had less damaged records or knowledge of the Cries Deonandere. But Roselia, Gorion, and Cinder's mercy prevailed, and at the last moment he had decided they would winter in Jomato. So it had been that three days before winter's official start they had arrived in the capital city and with the young wizard's seemingly inexhaustible pouch of gold they had rented an apartment in the district academia, a district lovingly referred to by the locals as the clutter. It had been nice to be back in Jomato. Orteval had not stepped foot in the city since leaving to see his father over a year ago. They had quickly fallen into a routine. Orteval and Snare had taken turns escorting Ilarion to various libraries, resiliums, and archives. On some days, when Alarion would stay in and read, Orteval would go out with the gnome and show him the sights. Snare rarely showed any sort of interest. Orteval could tell the sheer number of people in the city had had the quick-fingered gnome aching to work. Orteval was nearly as sure that the gnome had occasionally acquired trinkets and goods that he had not seen before, and very much doubted their lawful purchase but he had never seen anything to prove this theory. It wasn't long after the deep winter festival, a period of time where Alarion didn't leave the apartment for more than a week, that the adventure began its shift. Every surface in the common living space had been covered in books, scrolls, and parchments containing the young man's notes. They had all been there, Snare practicing a trick with a dagger, Orteval reading, Valerian had sat up, looked once around the room, his hands going to his hair. That's it, he said. Sometime after 1642, but no later than mid-1643. Gone. Gone with no explanation. It needn't be said who he was talking about. Stranger still had been the days after this proclamation. Valerian had not gone out for more books, had barely read, and was eerily quiet. He sat in a chair by the window, drinking tea and eating sparingly. Three days after the proclamation, he had called them together. The Creasteon and Dare were real, he started. It was the most definitive tone the young wizard had ever used. Though Alarion most likely believed the druid's existence more than anyone else in the entire province, all this time when he had spoken, there was always a tone that allowed an allotment of scholarly doubt. The allowance that there was some sliver of possibility that his hypothesis could be incorrect. That doubt was gone. 
knowing they were real, begs the question of their purpose, and who or what destroyed them. The wizard's eyes darted from snare to himself and back again. As to their purpose, I'm inclined to believe the simplest explanation, the one put forth in not only the few historical texts I seem to have uncovered, but also the theme of all the tales and stories, that they were the protectors of the Gimlin Woods. Alarion had paused to check to see if he had lost either of them. Ortoval gave a nod and a shrug that said, Sure, why not? But if they were protectors, what were they protecting the woods from? For the woods have existed without protectors and without significant change for the last five hundred years. Snare rolled his eyes as soon as Alarion looked away. I am not sure, but I think if there is fact in the Creestan and Dare's existence, then there is most likely fact behind some of the tales about what threats they faced. The three most prevalent are the Arganak, the Fireborn, and the demon Pergat Baklaf, the Defiler. Ortoval had not been able to keep the look of disbelief from his face at the mention of these. Snare flashed the bare-teethed grin, eyes squinting in discomfort. I see it in your faces that you do not believe it, but no matter. Neither did you believe the nature of this discovery to begin with, and I am quite confident in what I have found. Further research will get to the bottom of which of these causes were real and which were fiction. But let us leave that now. It is their disappearance on which I have thought long upon. Now it is possible one of the creatures just mentioned defeated them, but it seems unlikely to me. All of the stories speak of the Creus down and there prevailing over those. No, it seems to me like something as of yet unknown defeated, captured, or banished them. Something that has been able to avoid the notice of history as of yet. Ortoval was listening, but only as a courtesy. One striking similarity has come to mind after examining the history of the province. One of their group that went missing with no solid explanation. Surely he could not mean. The Order of Soul. Gone in a day. No explanation ever found or given. Gone in a day was close to true, but not quite. Ortoval was aware of a small temple in Jamato itself that had surfaced just before the war that was quietly practicing under the same teachings as the Order of Soul. His preceptress had shared with him that they claimed a direct lineage to the very same order, gone all these many years. To his knowledge it was the only one of its kind. But even so, what was the wizard's point? I think it is possible the same force or being may have ended both the Creus down and Air and the Order of Soul. Both factions served as protectors of the realm, or large portions thereof. It seems reasonable that whatever force ended them may have had a similar dislike for both of their existences. Ortoval was past caring at this point. Sure, if they were believing in stories, then the logic was reasonable. But again, so what? An unspoken question that led to an unprompted answer that led to the unbelievable. The ruins of Soul Citadel are about a half-day's ride from here. I would like you to take Snare and check them out, see if there are any clues, Alarion had said. They are quite large, so it may take a few days. You won't have much to do otherwise. I'm just going to begin to looking into the three possibilities I had mentioned earlier. Ortoval had had no idea of what a clue to an imaginary being looked like, which felt consistent with the rest of their journey to that point. 
He had seen no real point in asking for clarification or if the wizard was serious. When it came to this nonsense, he was, without fail, serious. There had been a hard freeze the next morning as they rode out with souls rising. Steam rose off the Fenfergal and the surrounding lands. Arriving at the high gray walls just before midday, the central spire still stood tall and in relatively good repair after all these years. The moat that ran around the circular fortifications was full of brackish water. They had approached from the north, and the drawbridge and gate on that side were both no more, so they followed the moat around to the west. Due west there was a footbridge, but it seemed in poor repair, and with a few exchanged signs, Orteval and Snare had agreed to continue, looking for a better option. That turned out to be the south. There, a bridge, still intact, that looked strong enough to hold both them and their horses, stood. Orteval recommended they dismount and lead the horses across all the same. They had stood for a moment, reins in hand. Orteval signed. This is fucking ridiculous. Snare had quickly responded. Oh, this, just now, is fucking ridiculous. And then, after a brief pause, have you been somewhere else the last year or so? They had proceeded into the ruins, considered haunted by most. Spooks they had not found. The ruins were really quite plain, peaceful almost. Moss grew on the stone. Some buildings stood, others did not. The only sign of life, birds that nested amongst the exposed fire-blackened beams. They had searched for a few bells that day, making camp among the ruins as night fell. It had been a cold and uncomfortable night. Three days they had searched, poked through empty buildings and loose rubble, avoiding anything that looked like it was unsafe. The closest thing to an event that happened while they were there was when Orteval heard a large clatter from a building that Snare had entered, across from where he was poking through a muckish trough. He had rushed in to find the gnome sprawled on his back, covered in the remnants of some moldy rushes, and with a small wood beam laid over his chest. Snare had quickly pushed the beam off and rolled to his feet before Orteval could even reach him. As the rogue stood, his normally pale face had flushed red. Goddamn roof collapsed on me, Snare had signed. Besides the roof materials, there had been a broken chair near the gnome. Are you all right? Orteval's fingers asked. A flustered gesture. The roof, came the reply. Let's get out of here before the rest of it comes down. And they had left. In agreement, on the fourth day, and sick of sleeping in the cold outdoors, they had returned to Jomato. Valerian had hardly seemed disappointed or dissuaded by the reported lack of clues. Instead, he had waved them off and said he would go with them next time, when the weather was warmer, and see if they had missed anything. Orteval had truly believed he was going to have to stop Snare from stabbing the young wizard, who had returned to reading a book even before he had finished talking to them. Two nights later, while sitting in a pub at which they were eating dinner, Orteval noticed Snare playing with one of those unexplained new trinkets, a silver ring with a green stone. 
he had had no intention of mentioning it. So it was to his dismay when the typically unobservant Alarian had looked up from the book he was reading and watched the distracted gnome fiddle with it for almost a bar. Orteval had been even further confused as the young man's brow sank and furrowed as if the ring had reminded him of something. And then the book had fell from the wizard's hands, eyes going from furrowed to wide open. Alarian's hand had shot out as if he intended to snatch the ring from Snare, before he realized what he was doing and clutched both of his hands back to his chest. Snare, may I? Where did... May I please see that ring? The gnome had frowned for a few beats before reluctantly turning it over to the wizard. The young man's hand shook as he reached out to receive it. He turned it over, examining the setting around the stone. There seemed to be some sort of symbol stamped into the silver. It can't be. Alarian mumbled under his breath, and then shockingly, with no accompanying words, he had stood and made his way rapidly from the pub leaving the book he had been reading on the table. Snare had been up in a beat, chasing the wizard who had apparently just robbed him. It was then that the food they had ordered arrived. Orteval looked at the waiter, stuffed his hand into his pouch, and pulled out several coins, too many, and passed them to the confused server as he stood unceremoniously, hurrying to catch up with his inexplicably fleeing companions. What ring is this? A silver and green ring it seems we have heard of before. Find out what its discovery means and what it leads to next week in part three of The Fool's Errand That Nearly Changed the World. It's me doing that talking at the end of the episode part. Uh, I just wanted to take a very heartfelt and sincere moment to thank from the very, very, very bottom of my heart uh, some people that have left written reviews recently. Uh, Carolyn Sanuda, Utter Newbie, and Kim LaRue all left brilliant five-star reviews with super kind written words on iTunes. And Jess Pendley left a lovely review on Podchaser. So to each and every one of you, thank you so very much uh, for your words. And uh, it really does mean the world to me. I appreciate it. Uh, by the time this hits the public, it'll be quite a while down the road, but uh, I, it still means the world and, and I needed everybody to hear it. So thank you to you four for your written reviews. Uh, they really mean a lot and I appreciate them. Uh, everyone else, I appreciate you as well. Thanks for all the listens. And coming up, an answer, finally an answer of why Alarian is coming up very, very soon. What is his special little piece of this puzzle? So anyway, I'll see you next week, and thank you very much. <laughs>